What's up, everyone? If you want to see us doing these podcasts, go to our profile section, click on the Patreon link, and become a patron. Not only will you get the visual element, but we also have BTS or behind the scenes footage of what goes down after the podcast. <laughs> go ahead and join us, and we look forward to seeing you over there. So welcome, welcome, welcome viewers and listeners of Dose of Dim. If you're watching on our Patreon, you are looking at our dear friend, Nelson Blake. He hey, is Nelson. an artist, designer, storyteller for Marvel, DC, Image, and more. I really kind of want to prompt you a little bit to talk about some of the things you do. I, I know you in real, real life, so I, I was very familiar with your work, but through researching you a bit, you did, you've done even more than I, than I realized. I was like, wow, he's really, wow, he's pretty cool. Yeah, so um, <laughs> so I think of you as like, oh yeah, that, yeah Nelson, he, he's a comic book penciler, a comic book artist. And I was like, oh, that was very limiting. He does way more than that. And so um, I wanted to kind of ask you, how do you describe what, in your words, how do you tell people what you do? What do you say? Well, I would say I'm a visual artist and a storyteller. So, but, and I think now these days, and if we get nerdy with it, I, we can get into it, but I also think <laughs> designer as well. Although that wasn't a skill set that was very strong for me when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I was much better at illustrating. And then my next good skill was storytelling. Mm -hmm. But as I've gotten older and I've studied the art of just art, like as humans interpret it, mm -hmm. design came along as well. And so, so yeah, I mean, that would literally be it. It's, you know, artist, designer, storyteller. Um, yeah, I, I'm familiar with some of your work from, is it Magdalena? Is that? Yeah. yeah so, because I know of the character from Witchblade. Yes. Um, and then, of course, Romulus. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, how did you, how did you start? Like, though, that's what I, I know some of the stuff you've done, but obviously, like I was just saying, I realized there's more <laughs> than what I realized. Um, what, what did, how did you get into this? What did you start doing first? So it's funny. Now that I'm super old, I've actually done a lot more than I thought. <laughs> like, I actually started seeing stuff and looking Not back and being like, start oh looking back on God. your stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, God, I drew that. Right? <laughs> I Literally, like, I saw a comic book cover the other day. I was like, I worked on that. The <laughs> 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 way that I first started, I was very lucky. Uh, was mm -hmm. actually in web animation. So my first job I got around, I was 19 years old. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so so before I started working, I actually stopped artwork for about a year and a half to tour with the band up and down mm -hmm. the East Coast. We did a lot of, and it was a heavy metal band. I played guitar. Nice. So, yeah, so I had to quit that band because the opportunity to actually get my career going, mm -hmm. you know, started up. And that's what I started. I started in a, a web animation studio and this was really, really early into uh, the flash animation stuff when everybody was still doing 2D. So I was very lucky because the people who were working there were like, I mean, I guess you could say legends in animation now. Uh, Kimson Albert, who worked on Daria, LaShawn Thomas of Boondocks fame. Okay. Uh, he's got, you know, Cannon Busters on Netflix now. Yeah. A lot of, lot of people, JP was up there. So they taught me a lot about not just animation, but just like, the foundational ways to practice art period because before then i just wanted to be jim lee and mark silvestri 
I just want to draw. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's what I was. I was like, you guys are just a stepping stone to image comics. And <laughs> but they taught me, you know, they, they broadened my horizons a lot. And I really, and one of the most important lessons, two lessons I got from LaShawn Thomas, who's a really close friend of mine to this day, was uh, study Disney and fill up a sketchbook every hmm. month, front to back, every page, fill up a sketchbook every month. And that hmm. really gave me like the athleticism to like draw. Hmm. And then I made friends with a lot of the writers at the studio. Uh, one of my best, well, my best friend now, Brian Edward Hill, uh, who's like a screenwriter and he's like doing great, great things. He's doing the next Power Rangers movie and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, he got me into the storytelling part of it from a writer's standpoint, right? So when Brian's a big comic book guy um, and he's worked in comics, he still works in comics, but his foundation was screenwriting, storytelling, act structure, mm -hmm. archetypes, characters. So I started studying that stuff seriously and started eventually relating how art not just depicts those things, but is speaking the exact same language. Mm -hmm. And I actually started to study that with music too, how music is doing the same things. It's just a different, almost like a different language, but mm -hmm. saying the same ideas, the same words, the same structures. So yeah, so, so I started in that animation studio and then my very next job was doing toys. I did mm. toy illustrations and concept art for G.I. Joe. Oh, I did not know that. Okay, wow. Right? <laughs> that so, is amazing. Right? <laughs> so that was, that, that was my first like, big thing because G.I. Joe was my favorite toy as a kid by a million miles, right? Yeah, and yeah. Mm. Interesting. My next favorite was Transformers. Right? Interesting so, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love G.I. Joe's, man. I mean, I, I've known the pain of stepping on a G.I. Joe backpack. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. oh, oh. Right. If, if they ever need answers from our country's enemies, man. <laughs> 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 the only thing worse than stepping on a G.I. Joe backpack is your dad stepping on the G.I. Joe backpack. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you got to so, hear about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so um, I worked on G.I. Joe. I got to see my, like, art on the toy boxes. That was my first big um, comic book convention was doing G.I. Joe stuff. And because it was G.I. Joe, it was actually bigger than any comic I could even do at my level. Right. So there was, like, a crazy line, and it was – funny to me because I had experienced that with music, like having, you know, the attention of a crowd and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it really, because I knew I sucked at music, I could take that really humbly. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I had gotten to that crowd first as like a teenager or tw I was maybe 20, 21 years old mm -hmm. at the time of the G.I. Joe stuff, I might've been like, look what I did. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But having seen that it's not about you, that was like one of the greatest lessons ever. So after G.I. Mm -hmm. Joe, my first comic book work was actually drawing G.I. Joe, mm -hmm. which I partially got because I did G.I. Joe. It wasn't that the same people hired me, it was a different company, but it was mm -hmm. just like, oh, we see you can draw G.I. Joe. <laughs> right. You know, we have mm -hmm. connections, so you get in there and you do that. And then I took a little break from that, yada, 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 wound up at Top Cow slash Image Comics doing Witchblade, Darkness, Magdalena, mm. drew all of those characters, loved that stuff, sat next to Mark Silvestri, who, for the people who don't know, is a comic book legend, one of my mm. favorite artists ever, uh, he's one of the best, super great guy too. And then after, straight out of Top Cow, I got hired to do my first stuff for Marvel, which was Luke Cage, some uh, Black Panther stuff, some, I got to work with um, uh, like, some of their music projects and stuff like that with the artwork. And did so I see so Luke forth. Cage or am I making that up? Yeah, Luke Cage, Luke Cage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did, uh, I did uh, one trade worth of work for Luke Cage, one trade right. back. So I've seen all kinds, I was like, damn, he's done 
everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to hit on something you said. You kind of glossed over it, but it's something that I'm passionate about in general. You mentioned the athleticism of art. So I just want to kind of be clear. You did not just roll out of bed and say, I have this talent to draw. Let me just do this. You indeed had to develop the skill. Maybe you had a natural aptitude to, to whatever degree, but you, you trained though, even, yeah. if it, even if it wasn't in a formal, like sitting in a classroom thing, you had to exercise, so to speak, or like- Oh, for sure. I, yeah. I can specify it too. So my actual talent when it comes to art mm. is not super useful to me in what I choose to do. <laughs> but it was great to get me started. And my talent is drawing from observation because mm. I have a very, uh, you know, like one percentile level of spatial recognition. Mm -hmm. Right. So that so even before I was trained, I could take a picture and duplicate it just because my mind automatically organized the spaces and the mm. tones and the values and stuff like that. So I've and again, I'm not saying this to brag. I'm just describing this for people. And I'll get to the part where I suck in a second. <laughs> but <laughs> I went to Pratt College and at 15 years old, I was doing, in terms of drawing from observation, college level work. Mm. But wow. when it came from drawing from my imagination, which was actually what I wanted to do, mm. I was very much a person of my age group, right? Mm. Uh, I would say above average for a kid, but not necessarily for an artist, right? Mm. Not for an art student. And that was the fundamental skill set that I had to train at uh, UBO, which was the animation studio with LaShawn and studying Disney and, and all that stuff. Now, the thing that I learned was much more important than my natural artistic talent mm -hmm. was my ability to learn. Mm -hmm. That was going to be far more useful. Mm -hmm. And then next from the ability to learn is the ability to go through all of the stages that you go through when you train. Mm -hmm. Because you desire this great transformation, but you have to humble yourself to the process. And humbling yourself to the process means just doing it with a certain amount of faith and a certain amount of diligence on a daily basis as you adapt speak. your mind, you adapt your body to, mm -hmm. yeah, you just to see it, to learn the language. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's very frustrating to, if you're in a foreign country, read a sign and it's like, which one of these is the hamburgers? And they're all just like, <laughs> you know, just, just slashes on the wall and you're hungry. So you get frustrated and you mm -hmm. wish you could learn the language now, but you got to start slowly and mm -hmm. learn the language uh, concept by concept, word by word, learn the grammar, adapt yourself. And then eventually one day you look up and all of those signs are like, oh, okay, this is where the burgers are. This is where I get, you know, my toilet paper and mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And so on and so forth. So that's what it is artistically is you learn you adapt yourself to the language and your brain takes what used to be confusing signals and it organizes them as you mm -hmm. adapt yourself and in that sense that's why my personal philosophy is anyone can learn to draw mm -hmm. Ooh, skills, uh, anyone anyone can learn to sing absolutely they this I, all the time <laughs> that's that's what me and eric that's yeah that's one of the brotherhood connections is that yeah. understanding mm -hmm. relatable as fuck and um because nelson knows this but i don't know how many of the viewers know but i was headed toward either school of visual art or pratt or possibly cooper union but i was on that pathway when i was younger um and yeah, going to uh, NOCA's uh, New Orleans Center of Creative Arts and all that stuff. And so recently I had a, uh, a friend from college who, uh, who's a, a recording artist from New Orleans and he posted on Facebook. He was like, it's weird to me that people know you as a singer but don't know you as an artist. He's like, I have a portrait you did of me hanging on my wall. He's like, he's like it's weird to me that people don't know you do this. 
But one of the things that Nelson has alluded to a couple times that I also find relatable is how like skill or different levels of mastery or whatever in one art realm inform another. And you can see how certain, how there are patterns and things that I've learned that my artistic friends seldom have one. It's almost like I think of like an RPG character. Maybe you've leveled up like <laughs> your fighting or your magic more, but it might be a stronger mage, but you can still fight, you know, something that, you know, so I, how do you, I don't know if you, can you put into words at all how maybe your abilities as a guitarist have informed your, your art and design? A hundred percent. So there's drawing theory, right? There's design theory, there's color theory. And as you guys all know, there's music theory. Mm -hmm. So I, the first of those that I started to probably learn was color theory. Uh, and I learned it at a fairly rudimentary level. Now, I sometimes get lucky where I'll be studying something and I'll just like get it. Even though the two days ago, I had no idea how to do it. Sometimes it'll just like start to unravel for me. Right. And that's what happened for me with design. And what I learned with design was, and this seems very straightforward and basic, it's the organization of space. Mm -hmm. But the next most important thing is, what do we mean when we say it's the organization of space? So if you take any artistic endeavor, and you say, first, we're going to focus consciously on an empty space, meaning we're going to border that space with either time or, or actual geometry, right? So whether it's a canvas, whether it's the length of a song, the length of a speech, the uh, stage on which a dance takes place, this is where it's going to happen. Now, within that space, you have infinite possibilities until you make your first move, until you divide that canvas until you put the hi-hat on the song that, you know, shows the tempo, you put that first chord that shows the, you know, the overall key that the song's gonna be in, right? Right. So, and then every decision that you make past that subdivides the space. So the answer to your question, Eric, is that the way guitar informed me, it, like this is the more esoteric, like important one, is it showed me the language of organizing space to tell a story. And that every time you set, you organize space, eventually you create a design and all the design is, is a thought. Mm -hmm. And to relate this to music, when we think of something like say Star Wars, right? And we think of the theme to Star Wars, everybody has a theme in their head mm -hmm. you know, yeah. that, that pops up. But the funny thing is that theme is a summation of this entire composition. Mm -hmm. Same thing with like say Superman. Mm. It's, it's this basic design that's the idea of all of these full stories. And the same thing with a chord progression, right? Mm. A chord progression is just an organization of these musical spaces. And so studying that from music helped me see it in art so that I could see beyond what was just the natural mechanical talent to like draw things to, oh, this is how you express yourself. Mm -hmm. in doing this and i saw the path mm -hmm. to the path to i'm not saying i'm there yet but the path to mastery from mm -hmm. there the other thing it taught me was how to practice uh so if you guys uh humor me for a second so me and my other guitar player we'd both been in the exact same place where we were okay but we really wanted to be better than okay so we made a pact <laughs> right we said we're going to practice exactly the way the instructional video tells you to practice no shortcuts, sounds boring, but we're gonna do it together. Mm -hmm. So what we did is we put on a DVD of Lost, and it's a DVD, so y'all know how old we are. 
<laughs> and young people are like, what's a DVD? But, so yeah, so we put, we put on a DVD of Lost, the entire TV series. And what we did was at a very, very, very slow metronome BPM, we practiced scale fragments way slower than what would be our ability. Mm-hmm. And at every commercial break, we just turned it up about eight beats. Mm-hmm. And we did that for an entire disc, which was four hours together. And after that one session, we could feel instantly the lessons of practice slow to learn fast. Mm-hmm. And because when you practice slow, you, you learn the micro imperfections right. in the simple motions. It's kind mm-hmm. of a very Taoist idea, right? Mm-hmm. Sweep the floor properly and you'll swing the sword properly. Right, right. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. And so the single plucking of a string for even an intermediate player has a load of imperfections in it that the master player doesn't have. He's stroking it the same way every time, like Steph Curry shooting a jump shot, or Tiger mm-hmm. Woods swinging a golf mm-hmm. club, you know, or Eric singing a note. So (laughs) obviously all of you guys singing a note, but point being that taught me how to train with discipline because in guitar, I have no talent whatsoever, maybe rhythm, like Mm. standard, standard black guy stuff. (laughs) 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 He just wake up, keep his stuff in time. Always that. (laughs) You ancestors. (laughs) But melodically, I had no talent whatsoever. I didn't have uh, any kind of natural coordination that I was learning songs at a faster rate than other people. Mm -hmm. So I had to train properly in music in a way that I did not have to train in art. In art, I could get away with being a talented idiot Mm -hmm. had I not been lucky enough to find the right information and, you know, mentors and stuff. No, I feel you. This is part of why I loved anime so much growing up and still appreciate it now. I love the the whack ass little character i gotta be better because people love me and care for me but how but it's normal for for a character who's he's so lame he's weak i've got to get stronger and then he'll go into the forest and train or he'll train in whatever gravity or he'll learn the secret technique by pushing himself to the limit and then he'll notice that he could bend the air if he you know but i, I like the idea that um i just think it's not real to most people the idea that you can develop skills and that's weird to me, especially mm-hmm. skills that are seen as just um, innate talent. So like drawing, playing an instrument, even singing, whatever. They're like, oh, whatever ability you have now, that's where you're at for eternity. And that's mm-hmm. crazy to me. Yeah. You know, that makes me think when Nelson was talking earlier about, I think you said observational drawer, where you can see things and draw them. I remember, I don't know how old I was. I was a kid. And I've actually shown DeMarcus and... Um, um, Eric, this little sketchbook before. And Nelson, I might have shown it to you too when I had came to a couple years ago about learning some mm-hmm, skills. Mm-hmm. But anyways, um, I might have been like 10 or 11 and I could not do anything from imagination, like lines all over the place, no good structure. It just looked very, very amateurish, you know what I mean? But what I could do is look at a cartoon character and just, you know, kind of like mimic it or copy it and it would come out really, really well. But at that time, I didn't think that was real drawing. I thought I was just copying and I couldn't, you know, do it. It was, it wouldn't serve me as, as an artist. So I never pursued it or, you know, went any further. So I kind of wish I would have known more about being able to develop those type of skills because clearly being able to look at something 
and duplicate it is indicative of some type of ability. And if I had the right art teacher or right influence who could have said, okay, let's take this a step further and start to develop the ability to, you know, bring something out of creation or creativity, who knows, maybe I could have done some more. So that kind of hit me when you were talking about that. So I think that's pretty cool. And how analogous is it to singing with where so many people, we've all heard this, where I can copy other people doing it. Right. But if I have to do it my own way or God forbid, right. generate a song spontaneously mm -hmm. or start mm -hmm. to, um, you know, ad lib or freestyles like, whoa, right. Ooh, you know, so mm -hmm. it, it, there's, that's a, yeah. But one helps to uh, lead into another. And form the other, right. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of develop like an internal library, like this reservoir of like, you have these points of references that you don't even necessarily consciously know you're aware of. Like you mentioned being a fan of Jim Lee, Mark Silvestri. I think every guy who grew up wanted to be a comic book artist around that time. There are bits that are gonna come in from them that you're not even trying to do, but you've, you've seen so much of their work and maybe copied so much at that 16 or whatever, that even though now you have your very own distinct style, their influence is still in there a little bit. Like you draw from, and maybe in the way you draw a pointed foot when the girl is jumping, maybe right. <laughs> it would be a little different had you never seen, you know, Mark Silvestri draw Dazzler in Australia or whatever the, but you know, so like, I feel like we still, you know, and I don't think that's a bad thing, but all yeah. artists, you, 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 you get influenced by every artist you've ever come into contact with. Right. You know? Yeah. That kind of brings me to a question for you, Nelson, or more, since we're kind of getting a little more technical now, because some of our patrons, um, they're animators, you okay. know, and, and they draw as well. So they, they might really get into this. Yeah. Um, so what is kind of like your process? Like when you're ready to tell a story, when you're ready to get to creating a new character or something, what is the process like for you? How do, how do you get it going? So my process has gotten fairly weird and abstract. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Right. Talking to the right group here. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what it used to be was I would storyboard the script, mm. right? Where I would read the script and I would literally do storyboards and then I would organize that storyboard into a comic book page, mm -hmm. which is a fine way of telling comic. Your comics will be clear and so on and so forth. Yeah. But what I learned was that comic book pages are a design unto itself and storytelling inherently speaks the language of design. Mm. So before I tell you guys my process, I have to describe at least one instance of this, right? Mm -hmm. So picture a horizon, right? Okay. Like in the middle of a, you know, a regular landscape. Mm -hmm. Now picture a ball. Now I didn't tell you where that ball is, but wherever I put that ball is going to give everybody an indication of story. Mm -hmm. So if I put that ball directly on the horizon line, Right, the horizon line or deep into it, you might imagine that this is an object on the ground. Mm -hmm. If I put the ball hovering above the horizon line, you might imagine that it is, you know, a celestial object, like mm -hmm. whatever. Now, let's say we take that, let's say we make it a celestial object, right? And we make it, you know, we make it that. So we just have a line and a ball. Mm -hmm. Already our, as you said, that kind of ancestral DNA, the, whatever we're all tied into, is giving us indications of what this message might mean mm -hmm. before it turns into art. Mm -hmm. Now, let's say I make that ball a golf ball mm -hmm. and I put on the horizon a hole. Now we understand that, oh, this might go in the hole, <laughs> right? Let's say I make that Superman mm -hmm. and, and instead of a hole, it's a city in the distance. Okay. I still understand the same idea that this object over here might be going over there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. 
So this is how placement of things already tells a story. If you just take one object that's big and you overlap it on something small, you get the idea that this might be a codependent or oppressive relationship. Yeah. Depending on how the overlap is handled and stuff like that, right? Right. So this is the way space organization tells a story. So now when I get a script, I first just do a pass of pure design, organizing the spaces the same way when you hear, you know, uh, a note played, mm-hmm. and you decide to play in those chords, you decide, oh, am I going to, you know, flatten this fifth and get a little saucy or are we just right. more straightforward <laughs> and make this a little, keep this on a little major chord, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we stay with the sevenths or right. like, I add a 13, you know what I mean? Like, right. You know what I mean? So, so like you start, you start, uh, you, and you just feel because, and this is what, you, you know, we talk about conscious observation of space. Yeah. Is I feel like personally, and you guys can chime in on this, the most important aspect of being a musical collaborator is listening. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Listen 85, 90% of the time, and the 10% that you have to play is way easier mm-hmm. if you do it the other way around. Mm hmm. Right. Yeah. So it's the same thing with like, I'll read the story. I know that my subconscious is already, I'm channeling this now. Mm -hmm. I'm not making it. Making Mm -hmm. things is extraordinarily difficult. No matter how hard you practice. Making something good, even for a true master, is effort. Channeling something, whether you're a master or a novice, is easy. Mm -hmm. And channeling comes from living in the moment observing where you are and being aware of the space that you're in mm. right mm-hmm. uh, with it within the story or the song or the speech or the joke or whatever it may be whatever you're trying to do you kind of can feel it and you mm. got to start to learn to trust that and translate your skill set to that skill set because they're mm. two separate skill sets mm-hmm. one is universal that we all have the other is specific to whoever trains it up mm. right mm. mm-hmm that's amazing. You know, when you're talking, it makes me also think about, have you ever picked up a camera before? Just curious. <laughs> uh, only, a little, only a yeah. little bit. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, I, my buddy, Brian, uh, he loves photography. Mm-hmm. So I played with him a little bit with photography. Okay. Now, when I was younger, I never understood the point of photography. <laughs> I was like, you're just taking pictures of things. Yeah, 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 I yeah. already saw it. Right. Paint it and talk to <laughs> Get your pencil out, scrub. <laughs> Why are you taking those pictures? Obviously, I was wrong. I was yeah. pretty ignorant. Mm-hmm. And then I started to learn composition. Again, right, yeah. Where mm-hmm. you choose to isolate this space of conscious observation yeah. tells a different story about mm-hmm. what Absolutely. you're looking at. Right? Yeah, um, I can see you being an amazing cinematographer as well, you know, just putting the landscape in the organization of space and stuff, which I think that those are components that cinematographers and photographers should, you know, have as a top priority, you know what I mean? Because in the, the cinematography world, a lot of times people get caught up on what type of camera you have and how clear is the picture and, and all of that. And yes. they forsake the common elements of, well, what is this space looking like? This is such a big part of telling this story. You know what I mean? So to hear you get technical about that, I think that's amazing. And I can see you doing well in other areas of life. Oh, Thank you, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> which kind of, which I, I completely agree. Cause like we said, it's all related and yeah. understanding, mm-hmm. you know, spatial relation and on all that stuff. And mm-hmm. I think also, like you mentioned about this kind of, like eidetic memory, like this kind of ancestral understanding. I think you also, from what I observe from your work, you kind of play with whether I think consciously, but like 
there is kind of iconography that means stuff to people just generally in the collective consciousness. So we just kind of know a certain facial expression means a certain thing or a certain lifting mm -hmm. of the lit evokes a certain thing. Or I saw you in an interview talking about um, a character who was holding a sword and you wanted to make it clear that she is young and mm -hmm. she is like, this is not a hardened adult warrior person. Mm -hmm. This is like, you want to play with the contrast of that to mm -hmm. intensify like the, the feeling. So I feel like <laughs> what's funny, you're probably extremely observant of like humans and human behavior and character. Would you, um, that's an assumption, but would you say that's the case? To, to be yeah. able to like, hit these nuanced, you know, changes when you, because you have to, you have to put that on the page or mm -hmm. the board, Bristol board, the, the pad, whatever you're, whatever you're doing yeah. on. But yeah, yeah. So it's funny, Eric, because you and I have discussed this point a little bit before, but I actually first learned this through sports mm. because sports is extremely unforgiving because they have the goal and you either make the goal or you don't. All your excuses, all your, you know, promises, all, all right. your reasons. I'm too short to dunk. Nobody cares. <laughs> Did it, if it went in the basket, it's worth two points. If it didn't, get out of here. You're worthless. Right. right? And so in order to become a person who gets it in the goal, so many people have become a person who gets who achieves the goal. And they're all so different in personality, in physicality, and so on and so forth. And if you look at an athlete, or, and the same is true for musicians, I, I'm extraordinarily fascinated by musicians and storytellers who do this as well. You ask them, how did you do this? How did you get here? They will tell you the story of transformation. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, my dad said I sucked. My dad told me right. I could do anything. Right, <laughs> right. I, I, well, I was, I was just born this way, and I, it took me a while to learn, you know, that that wasn't good enough, or... I was a little fat, no nothing, and <laughs> nobody could believe I, I showed up like this, right? <laughs> it's all over the place. And that story of transformation, not just in art, not just in sports, but in relationships, in everything, mm -hmm. is it's just such, it's the thing that makes it easy to love humanity. Because mm -hmm. I try to tell people, as trying as these times can be, as much as the internet exposes are you know the, the the bugs under the rock of our consciousness remember we also were animals at one point mm -hmm. we literally ate our kids when we were hungry for no other reason <laughs> just hungry yeah. and right. you know I've, I've i've assaulted this woman so many times that there are so many children here which means i have more food yeah. which means i'm not hungry you know what i'm saying like that yeah. that yeah. Right. And then that creature Mm -hmm. Flew to the moon, mm -hmm. allegedly. But <laughs> I can't. I can't. Hold, hold on now. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys know what I'm saying, right? Like, you know, that creature made the internet. Like, that's yeah. right. crazy. Mm -hmm. That's our journey. Where we that's can solve each other's life. souls. Yeah. So. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> and we're both, right? Like, you are. At the same time, you are the genes of people like Albert Einstein and, you know, mm -hmm. Nikola Tesla and, and, you know, Duke Ellington and you right. know, all these geniuses and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You're also the genes of Genghis Khan. And, yeah. You know, Adolf Hitler and yeah. all these other yeah. terrible people like both yeah. are in you. And that's the story of humanity. And if you accept that and can learn to appreciate and love the growth of humanity, then when you go to create your art, you'll tell the story of humanity, mm -hmm. which is all anybody cares about. Mm -hmm. 
No one cares about your perfect technique, right. except for people trying to get perfect technique. It's an illusion. Hello, somebody. So true. Adolescent fantasy. Because yeah. a perfect story can only be told, a mathematically perfect story can only be told one way. Mm. But a nearly perfect story with a bunch of little imperfections is mm. unique in an infinite variety. Mm. Mm. Come on now. Well, I have a question. Um, coming off of um, transformation and all, uh, but going back to like the technical parts of your work, like what, how much editing would you say you do on any any given piece of artwork that you're making? Like, is it like a you know I'm just gonna do this and what I end up with is it is what it is? Mm -hmm. Like as if a musician is standing on a stage and when they're performing in front of a live audience whatever they give is what they give versus you having the opportunity to maybe make changes. Um, like yeah. what is that process like? Mm. So my goal is to be as improvisational as possible mm. uh, because for now, let me say before I get, go further, that's because I've practiced the technical stuff a lot. Gotcha. Right. I've practiced my perspective. And when I see something that if I were to improvise on it, it would be weak. Then I go back and train that. So that's first and Got foremost. It. This is coming from a foundation of, you know, fundamental uh, skill, quite mm -hmm. frankly, right? Like, like mm -hmm. any musician, if you are not familiar playing in a certain mode, then you have to practice over that mode so that your ear can adapt to it. So that if you have to right. improvise, you'll actually have ideas that are worth something as right. opposed to being lost, kind of reaching out like this. A lot of people say play with your heart, which is a fantasy if you can't speak the language. Right. Yes. Right. right. So, yeah. <laughs> but Absolutely. then... Upon learning the language, going back to what I was telling you guys, you know, uh, my personal perspective is that mastery doesn't come from the technique. Mastery comes from not being trapped by technique or lack of technique. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so right. my process now, I try to have very little editing because what it really is, is two processes. It's designing and then drawing. Mm. You know, so I want to design it enough that I trust where everything is going mm -hmm. and then I want to kind of erase that and then just draw and let the page tell me where to go, mm. you know, within that process. Improvise almost as if I was sketching on the spot. Yeah. But it's within the confines of the structure that I've already agreed is in the spirit of whatever the project is. Mm. Yeah, no, I feel you 100%. I, yeah. I just had a conversation with a fellow vocal coach the other day about how technique is a key and not a cage. Right. And how a lot of times singers get hung up on, there's an aspect of technique, the mix. And they're like, but I mix that note. I'm like, yeah, but it's still an ugly, passionless, <laughs> <laughs> boring note. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. technically it was done in a way that your voice won't die. But if, if that's the, right. where we're setting the bar, I mean, you know, you're not going to move anybody with that. Because you have to tell, ultimately, I just, we all rant at students, but I think I rant harder about it. You might, y'all might verbalize it more calmly than I do. But you got to tell the story, you know, it's yeah. not enough to just be technically, yeah. So I, I super get that. I have to ask, I have to bring this up. When I was coming up, I didn't know a black artist, <laughs> not to make it a race thing, but <laughs> all the artists that I knew, like now you have like Olivia, you, you have a lot of, I get excited in a way that I probably shouldn't still. But when I, when I realize artists that I think are dope, when I find out, oh, he's black. Okay. okay. <laughs> Everybody was white. I, I, I love Jim Lee, Mark Silvestri. Joe, Joe, uh, Joe Matarara. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I was about to say him. You know, there's people, there's people I'm leaving out just because I can't. My brain is going numb. Who's the guy who did like uh, wet works and stuff? 
Wills, oh, Wills Protasio. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So like that whole kind of Marvel golden into image group. Mm-hmm. But, um, and white people and Asian people, but I just never saw black people. And, and the one or two that I won't name, I didn't really enjoy their work when I was yeah. like the few I would, I would come across. Um, so was that anywhere in your mind going into it that um, the, the, the limited representation or were there more people doing it at the time that you were coming in? Or was no. It, it was for me, I'll be, honest, I'll be honest with you, it was a personality thing. Mm. I was just too competitive and arrogant to care about any of that stuff. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. I, I just, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't give a fuck. I, I'm going to win. You're going to kill me or lose. That's how this going to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, so there was actually, um, I'm not going to name him, but because uh, we're, I don't want to say buddies, but we're acquaintances in the, in the industry and mm. he, doesn't, he doesn't remember me. But when I was about 15 or 16, he told me to quit. He's a black guy. Wow. Uh, and he was a professional working on, you know, fairly major stuff at the time. Yeah. And I didn't love his work, but, you know, uh, it was, I was a kid. I was trying to get portfolio reviews mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. I didn't say anything to him to, like, make him mad. He, it was just mm-hmm. his uh, assessment of my work at the time. Yeah. He told me, you're not good enough to do this. You should quit and do something else. And for me, <laughs> that just... He like doing that for some reason, but yeah. 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 <laughs> no. it, it, but it was one of those things where I, and this is, I think, more so than any kind of drawing talent, this is the thing I was lucky about. I'm just not hardwired to get attached to self-definition. Mm. I'm perfectly okay with sucking at something. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I do, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Being fat <laughs> doesn't discourage me from losing weight. Mm-hmm. Um, being dumb doesn't discourage me from reading. Mm-hmm. Being untalented doesn't discourage me from acquiring skill. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen the work. Here's the funny thing. Almost everyone who's good at something, almost everyone, you can find footage of them sucking at it. Yeah. Especially yeah. now when, I mean, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. right, right. <laughs> when we came up, you had to look at like the old like wizard article of Jim Lee. Oh, here's what I drew when I was eight years old. Oh, that looked like an eight-year-old's drawing. That didn't look yeah. like mm. you weren't the Doogie Howser drawing. Right. You figured this out at some point when yep. everybody else did, right? But now you can look at your favorite YouTuber. Look at their first YouTube video. It's like... Yeah. With a phone camera, they're, <laughs> you know, if they're an artist, their art is like not right. If they're a musician, yeah. their tone isn't there, their music yeah. skill isn't there. And you look at it now, and, and if you're starting out, you go, How could I ever get there? Mm-hmm. It's coming yeah. every day. Mm. Yeah, yeah. They worked on it every day. It's just, it just is what it is. So for me, the um, racial identity of stuff like that, mm. I just, if my thing was, I came, I'm, I'm from Brooklyn and Queens, right? Mm. My family, I, I lived in Brooklyn my like first half of my childhood in Queens, the second half, and always went between the two. And it was just too competitive, you know? And it was like, if a, if a black guy is going to be the one to be, he's not going to determine my fate by his failure mm-hmm. at this, right? Yeah. I have to prove all the black people wrong. And then after that, I have to prove all the white people wrong. All the spe- Who else need to be proved wrong? Right. <laughs> just get on the list. Because everybody's telling me that I can't do this. Right. And all I know is I have to win this war with the blank page. Mm-hmm. It's not a war with you. Right. You know what I'm saying? If somebody tells you you suck at golf, that ain't got nothing to do with you hitting that ball in the hole. Right. That right. hole's still really small and really far away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. If they told you you were awesome, guess what? Hole didn't slide any closer. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. 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 No, it's true. Everybody yeah, it's true. tells you you're going to be a great singer and you out of key. 
Get to yeah. working on them scales, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> the work still got to get done, whether you were yeah. encouraged or discouraged. Mm-hmm. It's still about you sitting down and going through that self-transformation and not letting your previous definitions trap you because humans are a transformative species. That's mm-hmm. what we do. That's our story. That's mm-hmm. your story. True. Yeah. You know, that's why I was fine. Oh, no, go, 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 go. no, I was going to say, that's why I always find it interesting when people say they don't like change. And I'm like, that's literally all we do. All there is. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Every, throughout history, mm-hmm. we've been about nothing but change. So, sorry, Michael. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, you did. <laughs> no, I was going to say, um, so as a singer and a vocal coach, a lot of times people are excited to ask me, well, who are your favorite singers? What is your favorite song? Who moves you, et cetera? So, with you, and I know you're a musician as well, but as far as your your comic book work and, and your drawing and, and all of that, what comics or what drawings what moves you you know as someone who's just appreciative of someone else's art mm-hmm. you know what i mean is anyone that, that really speaks to you yeah right now my favorite artist is a guy named Stuart eminent mm-hmm. and so Stuart eminent he's done a lot of big marvel stuff you google him you're gonna see everything Stuart right? eminent okay. literally everything uh, marvel and dc a lot of superman stuff all that stuff right i m m o n e n um gotcha and Stuart with a ua not with a ew gotcha but um, but the reason I love Stuart, besides the fact that he's excellent, mm-hmm. Stuart has drawn in a lot of different styles over mm-hmm. here. And mm-hmm. when I came up, that was a no-no. You're mm-hmm. not supposed mm-hmm. to draw in all these different styles. You're supposed to find your way of drawing and do that over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Again, relatable to singing. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, right. Don't, don't change. You have to have basically a brand that means this thing. And that never vibed with me. Mm-hmm. My curiosity is in all of the ways people draw. Yeah, Not the one. Yeah, and so I love Stuart for that as well as his excellence. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a guy named Andrew Robinson uh, who I whose work is really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, who who else? Uh, Sean Gordon Murphy I, I like a lot right now. Uh, Brian Stelfreeze is always a joy to see. Adam Hughes's art always wakes me up in the morning. Mm. Uh, so yeah, there's uh, and there's a lot of uh, honestly a lot of concept artists. Mm-hmm. and um european illustrators that are on, that you see in like video gaming or on instagram and stuff like that mm-hmm. really love their stuff too mm-hmm. uh, so Speaking yeah oh <clears throat> by the way i, I have to say kim jong ji is like the michael jordan of drawing right now so mm. look him up he is a monster of the highest regard he he humbled everybody okay. uh, k-i-m-a-u-n-g-e-i okay three separate uh Name. I'm gonna look him up. Kim Jong Ji. You watch him live drawing, and it's like, well, what's happening right now? <laughs> I feel like I'm familiar with. No, maybe not. Wow, that's wonderful. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Kim, Kim is a monster. Kim is yeah, Kim is a like true oh. monster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Um, no, that's relatable as fuck. And um, yeah, one thing I've been screaming at my students lately is this idea that you have to find your sound and stay with that sound. Like that's a curse that the indus- that the music industry has tried to hurl upon you. And if you don't dispel it, then um, it will bind you into this. Like there's this thing like you you have a gospel voice or a pop voice or this kind of voice. You got to mm-hmm. think it's like this is bullshit. Like yeah, business wise, some people might appreciate one style over another. I know Joe kind of got caught into like the, the, the pseudo manga ish thing and people are like, I got it. It's got to be that. But, um, and the people who like loved it and copied it profusely and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I don't like to be, I don't know. It, art gets boring to me. If you feel like beholden to stay 
in one place. Like if you have to, if you're enjoying that for a time, then yeah, you know, go for mm-hmm. it. But if you, um, but if you, yeah, I just, I just, I just hate that. But I, I just really relate. But you mentioned video games, and I have to bring this up. I can't let the whole thing go five. But you just recently, well, I don't know how recently you did it, but recently it was revealed, I guess, mm-hmm. that you did one of uh, Miles Morales's uh, costumes for the new, I guess, PS4 and PS5 game, yeah. like the sequel. Yeah, yeah. To the to the Spider-Man Miles Morales game. That's awesome. As do you, you identify as Afro Latino, right? Yeah. So it's like, so what? I don't know. I don't even know where to, what angle to come at this on, but congratulations. <laughs> thank, uh, you, thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. So what was that? What's that about? Like how'd that happen? Okay. What's that? Yeah. So first of all, I love the character. Always have. Uh, mm-hmm. Not because he's Afro Latino, but mm-hmm. because he's Afro Latino, I was hoping I would like it. And I read a bunch of his books and I did. Uh, so I got the opportunity to work on one of his origin stories of how he created his first costume. Mm. And one encounter happened. It happened in the Civil War era of the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah. So Miles goes to the store. A fight breaks out, and it's like one of these kind of pop-ups, like when you know Drake or somebody's doing a signing or something, and it's like right. a cool place to be. And it's in like this fashion spot. So he has to put his costume together uh, while while you know all of the smoke and all of the stuff, the chaos is happening, and then jump out with his with his mask on. So that's what the design <laughs> is, mm-hmm. and. So uh, my editor actually came up with this idea. He was like, yo, can we put him in Tim's? And I said, of course. <laughs> He's <laughs> I a New that. Yorker. Yeah, that immediately said, I was New like, York? you some Tim's, the most New Yorkest? Yes. New York I, I, in my head, I call, I call, I call him Deadass Spidey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Deadass. I'm not going to hold you up. Deadass. <laughs> Deadass Spidey. Not so, for nothing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, facts. <laughs> I can't say the rest because he's Spider-Man, but y'all know what comes next. <laughs> I say facts, my G. Right. <laughs> so the funny thing about that, now obviously it's in the game, you've seen it 4K, it's animating, like that's mm. crazy, right? Mm-hmm. It's the number one game on PS5, so it's and it's the only like real exclusive game of this new console. I say mm. both consoles is everybody selling out. So that feels incredible. Like that feels amazing. And I'm like absolutely floored by that. But it's not that my costume is in a game. Because I, I have I, I actually recently had one of my covers be in the Avengers game, which oh, was that, cool. Okay. cool. Right? Nice, nice, nice. But this was different because I'm watching people play this game and review the game and stop what they're doing and literally zoom in on his feet. And go nuts. <laughs> and I'm watching like the comment session, like, yo, they put them in yeah. the butters. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it just, that reminds me of why we do this. Like, seeing yeah. people yeah. get excited and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I remember the first musical interaction I had that changed my life was after this show. This kid came over. He's sweating. I play metal, so everybody's moshing and dancing and all that stuff, right? So he's sweaty, he's tired, he's out of breath. He's like, yo, yo, can I get your pick, bro? This made my week. And I'm like, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah. I remember the first concert I went to and I got a pick from my favorite guitar. But he threw it off the stage, right? Because it was Pantera, so it was a big show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just happened to catch, like, the pick. But I remember that. And I'm like, he's doing that to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not good at this. <laughs> That's crazy, right? Oh, yeah. like, and so that is what, you know, this is really all about is that when we tell stories, we allow people to 
have these emotions and, and uh, channel and hopefully get inspired by it and tell their right. stories as, as we tell our stories and stuff like that and mm-hmm. help other people tell their stories. And so I think that's what got me the most is like my favorite character from childhood, Afro-Latino version, 4K, you know, new mm-hmm. systems and people are going crazy over this very New York kind of twist mm-hmm. on the character. That's just like, I, 10-year-old me, wouldn't even believe me if I went back in time and told them that whole story. Right, right, right. That's amazing. Something that you mentioned um, just brought out the idea or the concept of um, commissioned work, you mm-hmm. know? And so for people who are watching, I know, I know I saw a lot of this, especially when quarantine hit, a lot of artists um, were doing commission work, you know, to keep working and still be able to tell stories. And the unique aspect about commission work is that the person comes to you and says, can you draw this for me? You know, or can, can you do that? Is that something that you do as well? Are you permitted to do that? You know, being, I, uh, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm a freelancer. So I, oh, okay, okay. so even though I've done a lot of work for Marvel, I've done work with DC. Uh, my most recent project is for a, com- from a company, uh, artist with artisans. That's, uh, Axel Alonzo. He used to run Marvel. Yeah, I uh, just did a kid's book with them, which was a lot of fun. Got to go mm. back to my animation roots. Mm-hmm. But those are all freelance gigs. Gotcha. So I can, I can draw whatever I want. Now, for mm-hmm. me, this is what I'm doing in terms of commissions uh, in yeah. original art. Yeah. I have been doing interior comic book work for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing design work as well for a little while. Mm-hmm. I'm taking time aside to figure out what my illustration identity is. Mm-hmm. And then that's going to recontextualize my commission work. Because mm. I could do commissions right now and be like, you know, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, 300 mm. bucks, whatever. But yeah. I, don't want, I don't want a commission identity based off of my interior artwork. I want to okay. see, it's an exploratory thing, right? Like imagine if all your life you've been doing, you know, gospel music, but you started out doing blues mm-hmm. you know or rock and roll mm-hmm. and now that you've learned all this stuff from playing with these gospel bands you wanted to start a new rock and roll band you would be like oh man but i see these other things i could do when i'm not mm-hmm. only thinking in a rock and roll context right, right. and i have this jazz this uh jazz or gospel context i can go back into it and maybe i'll do a version of that that's a completely different idea than i would have had back then that's mm-hmm. kind of where it is now like the yeah. last time i was really an illustrator was when i was much younger had a completely different view of this stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm going to do original illustrations for sale, mm-hmm. see how that does, see how people like them. And then I might do commissions based off of that. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's good to know. That's what's up. Well, I have a question for the, uh, for the anime fans out there. Uh, number one, well, it's a two-part question. One, <laughs> do you like anime? I'm pretty sure I know the answer to that already. I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> Do you like anime? And which, okay, this is actually a three-part question. <laughs> Do you like anime? <laughs> which one would you consider, or which few would you consider as your favorites or mm-hmm. favorites? And no, let's just go with that for the moment. And okay. I, I might have a follow-up question. So, all right. So just <laughs> before we go to the anime thing, I have to shout out to Manga which is the comic book form of anime basically that's, a lot of his best off of. where I was going with this. <laughs> okay. So I love the, love the manga to one punch man. I like the anime, mm. right? Okay. I that's love the anime to dragon ball. I like the manga, mm. right? Okay. I like the manga to kill a kill. I love the anime to kill a kill. Mm. Right. So, uh, outside of that, Gurren Leggins, excellent. Uh, Soul Eater, I liked a whole lot. Old School, Spriggan, 
I love Spriggan. Um, I love Dangayo. It's an old school Voltron, you know, Gundam mm. style mm. joint from like the 90s. Um, when it comes to Dragon Ball, I'm a Dragon Ball Z guy, but the super stuff is cool too. Mm. Uh, GT, y'all could keep all that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not a big Naruto guy, not because I don't like Naruto, but because Naruto is basically Dragon Ball. And I, when I was a teenager, watched literally hundreds and hundreds of hours of Dragon Ball. And seeing Naruto, I'm like, oh, okay, this is Dragon Ball for you guys. It's cool, and it's mm. cool in its own different ways. I'll watch the YouTube clips, but I ain't watching episodes and episodes of that. Right, right. Um, see, anything else come off the top of my head? I would say those, that's a, you know, fairly strong, mm-hmm. um, you know, group of the Cowboy Bebop movie, you know, stuff. obviously I'm, I'm forgetting a million things, but I love all of that stuff. Sort of the Stranger is probably the best animation <laughs> you know, period. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was actually going to be my question is what, which of, of anime that you like, which one might have been your favorite uh, transition from manga to anime? Because um, I know a lot of people, uh, actually, Eric, I'm thinking about your brother, Marcus, mm-hmm. who absolutely loved um, Attack on Titan, the way that they took it from manga to anime. You took it from um, head. I was yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, just the way they did it was so like, Perfect. Um, and so I think about certain anime, I think back obviously to my favorite Hunter Hunter mm-hmm. and how they basically went from nothing in the pages of the manga from Hunter Hunter and turn it into what they did for mm-hmm. 1999 and 2011, uh, which I thought was pretty amazing. So you answer my question right off the bat. So. Yeah. yeah, Dragon Ball would probably be the one that I felt like the manga shows you what the an- it, it like get, you know gave you a, pro- a wish, mm-hmm. and the anime delivered, mm-hmm. and the wish was granted, which is fitting for the Dragon Ball. I was about to say that's kind of right. right. <laughs> <laughs> right exactly. Yeah. yeah. But most of the time, the experience that I have with the manga when I truly love it, it's almost like most books turning into movies. It's just such yeah. a different format. Like I love Blade of the Immortal. I I could care less about the anime. You know, I just mm-hmm. I really couldn't care less like, you know, what they do with the anime. Um. Or Rurouni Kenshin. I watched the entire, you know, 100 episodes or whatever that was, 130 episodes, how many of it they made. I ain't reading that manga now. I just gave you a month of my life. <laughs> yeah, I ain't going back. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you said what you needed to say, sir. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so it's rare for me to read. But I think, in fact, I think all time, the only book that I love that also has a film that I love in the same level, but in different ways is The Shining or The Exorcist, those two. Okay. The Shining and The Exorcist are the only two pieces of work that I can think of that I read the book, loved it, it was one thing, and then I watched the movie, loved it, it was another thing. Mm-hmm. They were connected, but they, re- they didn't rely on the medium to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Whereas you have something like Sin City where they're like, we're just trying to shoot the pages, which I don't think works to the same level that the, like, I don't think Sin City is a bad movie, but it ain't nowhere near as good of a movie as Sin City the comic as, as a comic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, uh, two real quick things. DeMarcus mentioned change. My favorite author, Octavia E. Butler, she had a, ironically, my least favorite series from her is I think Parable of the Sower. And it's about a young girl who starts a religion and it's the premise is that God is change. 
And so, which is interesting. It's a boring ass book for me, but, 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 but I feel like <laughs> the way her mind works is great. I love all her other stuff. I, just, I wasn't a fan of that series, but something else you said, oh, Attack on Titan, Marcus, y'all know Marcus. <laughs> Years ago, he sat me down and said, you gotta watch this anime. The first episode he showed me of Attack on Titan, I was like, what the fuck is that? What, what the hell are you just <laughs> <laughs> The stuff that I don't want to ruin it. I, I feel like everybody's seen it by now. It was but, over. <laughs> but I still I, haven't seen it, but funny enough. I, I still okay, well, let's just say I wasn't crazy. I wasn't ready, you know, because I was used mm-hmm. to like, a, I don't know, any, any of the other animes you mentioned for the most part. But some, some are super dark. Like, what's the one with, um, fuck, he's a warrior. Berserk? Yeah, damn. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a great anime. He's a witch. You remember how we met? Right. This was a little too good there. Okay, but, but yeah, um, exactly. But that shit is 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 dark. You know, a lot of it. So I mm-hmm. sometimes um, I need something lighter and dumber. Like <laughs> when I want to decompress, I can't. You know, some of that stuff. Like it is a little too heavy for me. Right. I'm not trying to like you know give up on all of life right now. But um, but yeah, but <laughs> so, well, actual question for you though. The last one for me at least. Cause I see it's freaking been over an hour. Um, advice to other to to people. I was about to say young artists, but whatever the hell age who are aspiring to do what you do, do you have, you kind of have doled it out intermittently mm-hmm. throughout the conversation, but I don't know, is there any particular thing that you see people, that people don't get when they try to go for um, this job and, or the, cause you do a lot of things all melded into, you know, the work you do, mm-hmm. but is there something where like, mm, everybody just, they think it's this, but it's not, or they're not prepared in this way. I don't know. Is there anything like that? Uh, yeah, I would say, in general advice, kind of touching what we talked about, so it's mm. kind of fitting for this discussion, uh, work through your influences, not around them. Mm. Don't avoid what you like. Become intimate with what you like. Try to do it perfectly, right? So if you like Jim Lee, yes. Try to draw exactly like Jim Lee to the perfect way. Don't just copy the one picture. Deconstruct his style to the very, very best of your ability, which is how masters study everything. Mm-hmm. Right. That's how if you look at Rembrandt, he's got studies and studies. His apprentices have studies and studies. If you look at any musician breaking down a song, they break down the exact theory of the song. They don't just play the song with mm-hmm. without intelligence. They cover it down to the basic theory of it. And then they absorb all of what they like and they leave what they don't. And that's where your style comes from. Your, you know, your style is not the um, boundaries that are just your limitations. It's the sum of everything you love without the stuff that you don't love about what you love. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what it is. And as Eric said, a lot of that subconscious mm-hmm. memory. Now, on a more technical basis, I mean, when it comes to drawing, you have to learn figure drawing, shapes, perspective, mm-hmm. all that stuff. What I highly, highly suggest is you just build up your athleticism and work every single day on the very, very simple fundamental aspects of drawing that's a much longer complicated conversation Mm -hmm. uh if anybody wants to reach out to me to ask any questions my instagram dms are open my twitter dms are open just hit me up over there and i will either answer you directly or i will create a video showing you that technique because that's an ambition of mine going forward is to do a lot more art tutorials online and stuff like that Mm -hmm. to help people out with this because i do think it's um not the clearest path how to get from not doing what I do for a living to doing what I do for a living. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. 
Awesome. My last question um, is about the music. I know you're equally as passionate about music. So um, you play the guitar. I do. What type of guitar? I have uh, my main guitar is a Paul mm -hmm. Reed Smith guitar mm -hmm. uh, that I love very much. Yeah. My secondary guitar is a cheap but great sounding Chinese Fender that mm -hmm. the guy at the guitar shop convinced me was better than many of the Fenders in the store. And he was right. <laughs> um, yeah, that's how Fender is, man. Their product isn't consistent. So you mm -hmm. have to like, you can't just look at a, I mean, you can, but I don't recommend you look at a Fender online and buy it. Mm -hmm. Go to the store, play every Fender that's similar. Mm -hmm. And you will be shocked how sometimes the you know, $700 Fender actually sounds better than the $2,500 Fender. Oh, damn. Mm -hmm. yeah, right, or feels right. better. <clears throat> it's just made better. Because it's, it's, it's like Paul Reed Smith. Uh, I'm getting nerdy now, but they... <laughs> no, this is what they like. Yeah, go ahead. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they make... They, they have such high quality control mm -hmm. that every Paul Reed Smith you pull off is going to play very, very close, very similar to one another. Mm -hmm. Whereas Gibson and Fender, it honestly, I really do think you should play it because... Most guitar players, in fact, Chris Buck, a great YouTuber, great blues player, has a story about one, one of the guitars he plays is this crazy, you know, thousands of dollar Fender. And the other yeah. one he plays costs him 160 pounds or something. Mm -hmm. like that. And he's like, listen to it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm playing yeah, it right, right now. It's right. amazing, right? Right, right? So you know, sometimes you get lucky those, uh, those factories throw out a gem and you might find it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's my secondary. I got my first acoustic guitar, just a standard Yamaha last year for the first time. I'd never really played acoustic before. Mm. And uh, my last guitar is a BC Rich Beast seven string guitar. Okay, that's what's up. That's what's up. So my last, last quick thing. Um, <laughs> I know, and I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. You know, when I, when I, you want to get to really know Nelson to the heart. Of you, shared, you shared so much, and I hope people are listening intently because um, you said so many gems. Oh my goodness! But um, so thank you for that. Um, so I know you you have goals as an artist, but as a musician, I just want to stay on that for one more quick second. What would you say like your next goal as a musician is? Is there anything, any type of project you want to do somewhere you want to perform when you know the world opens back up, or any type of music you want to release or anything like that? So funny you should ask that, Michael. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so very recently, uh, mm -hmm. for the first time in a long time, I actually took a guitar lesson online. Mm -hmm. nice. And um, so what I started doing while I was drawing was I started listening to music theory videos. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't trained in music theory. My guitar mm -hmm. was very, you know, dumb, basically. Uh, mm -hmm. I just was playing an E minor the entire time. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I got fast which allows you to play metal, play an E minor fast, and you're good. Mm -hmm. Fairly tight, clean technique, formed a band. We were, oh, I joined a band, and we were off to the races, played some good shows. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know anything about the guitar, and because it wasn't something that I had a self-definition as, I didn't have any expectations for myself. Mm -hmm. So when I, but, you know, after doing so much stuff, I started thinking to myself, I am actually a musician now. I'm not just a guy who can, you know, yeah. Some chords, I actually, you know, I've written enough stuff that I feel like, you know, I respect where I've come as a musician. I appreciate it. And part of that appreciation was I started learning music theory on the side. Mm -hmm. And I was just playing the videos in the background. And at first it was just gibberish, man. First these yeah. guys were like, oh, yeah, it's just a 2-5-1. And, you know, we do a, you know, substitution here. And a, a secondary dominant is what we're going to use over there. And I was like, what's <laughs> happening? I feel you. And then one day it clicked. Mm. And what clicked to me was, oh, all music theory is is an organization of tension and release 
amongst the frequency. That's right, right, right. pretty much all harmonic music theory is. It's just these relationships of tension and release. And mm-hmm. obviously we have certain relationships that are stronger and create genres of music, but that's it. And then it clicked. And so now what I started doing, and this is actually like literally just a week ago, I've been practicing two hours a day minimum. Mm, highly okay. structured practice wow uh, just like literally nice yeah like super super structured practice and i want to go from i don't know i guess most people if they heard me play they would consider me uh either an intermediate or an advanced player mm-hmm. but i think if a musician hears me play they would probably consider me an intermediate player gotcha and so i want to move from an intermediate player to an advanced player now uh, nice. even as far as musicians are concerned not in metal because in metal i can i can you know Mm-hmm. do what i want and do your thing but yeah. in if i was to play anything outside of metal like rock or blues or you know gospel or r&b or something like that they're not something i even tried to do before mm-hmm. let alone uh would have any facility towards mm-hmm. but i'm building the skill set now to be able to incorporate those things into the next stuff i, I want to do i actually just had a meeting with my um this the vocalist for my band yeah uh diami and we were talking about what we want to do a year from now in terms of creating a project mm-hmm. and my goal and this is really if there are any metalheads in your in your group uh you know, who watched the who watched the, listen to the podcast watch the show um before i was in a straight up like metal metal band or you know metal kind of uh, hardcore band whereas what i want to move towards more of a progressive vibe but also keep some of that metal like punch mm-hmm. so more stuff like if you've heard of these bands cool if not i'd understand uh clean <laughs> animals as leaders between the buried and me i'm bringing in a lot more prog jazz influences into the uh, metal that i'm approaching and so right now i'm working on two things one really taking my my technique from uh intermediate advanced to full-on advanced and mm-hmm. two being able to incorporate that music theory so that um i can create a project that i don't know just just uh expresses where i am now as a musician and really so mm-hmm. i can participate in all of the tastes that i have and yeah. i'm not locked out of yeah. it by yeah. ignorance of like man that sounds great but i don't know what it is like right yeah. right 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 that's awesome man that's awesome oh, love it. Uh, i'm gonna stop there with the questions i'm gonna stop there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so am i because i know i could talk to nelson for like until uh, you know <laughs> like dude, i gotta go but Demarcus, any final uh questions words i did not have any follow-up questions i was trying to think while uh while he was speaking but i'm also trying to make sure i'm listening attentively so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so nothing came to mind well, this um, is a- other than I, i'm sorry i was just gonna say um i definitely want to take uh these sound bites, some of them, and, and take them to my students because, you know, a lot of the things that I'm saying, you know, they, mm-hmm. you know, they listen to their teacher and they're just like, oh, yeah, yeah whatever. You man. just, you, you got to say what you got to say. But when mm-hmm. they hear it from someone who's either, um, who, anybody else who's not their teacher, <laughs> 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 it doesn't matter who it is, anybody else who's not their teacher, right. um, they, they tend to listen and they take that feedback and, and really run with it. It legitimizes so, um, it. Yes, it does. Repetition legitimizes. Right, right. I'm like, that's what I've been telling you guys this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Yeah, I thank you for coming and doing this, man. This was one of the hardiest um, episodes Mm -hmm. in terms of like information, and and, and, Mm -hmm. and I think it's very. It's stuff that will apply to people on multiple levels, even if they're not a visual artist, even if they don't play guitar, even if mm-hmm. they don't sing. I think this stuff ripples out into all aspects of life. 
Um, is there anything that you want to say before we wrap up, Nelson? Because we, you know, I asked everybody to give their final word. Do you have anything? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, nah, man. I mean, honestly, first of all, thanks for having me. I've, I've been listening to this for a while. We've been friends for a long time. Right. So this was a long time coming, and it was absolutely just a joy to do. Uh, I'm happy to do it again um, and, awesome. and have, have another conversation yeah. about really anything else or more of the same but yeah it was, it was a lot of fun uh, thanks for having me and mm. I, what i would say to people is don't hesitate to do what you love you will always get a chance to do something you don't like mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> ooh, that's a word sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> there's a sound bite right there the jaw a little bit yeah, <laughs> I, I think the next time you come we have to go full on philosophical esoteric akashic on that acid (laughs) all the way into the the illuminatiness of it all um, i know we could go and i'm I'm being kind of joking kind of not but so yeah yeah, i would love that so so are y'all watching we're gonna post where you can follow or listening Mm -hmm. post where you can follow nelson on social media and also i think it would be cool if they could see and make me a hero if they're not already familiar with it Mm-hmm. Um, and so, cause some of these people watching are certainly going to be just fans of yours. So they already know what the hell you do, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're going to have all that up. And until next time, peace y'all. We'll see y'all later. Allah. <laughs>